Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. James chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app, and you can follow along there as well. But as we get started today, I wanted to start off with a kind of an opinion poll. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you if you find something acceptable. If you find it acceptable, I'm going to say, hey, just raise your hand. And if you find it unacceptable, I'm going to say, hey, just go ahead and raise your hand, all right? Pretty simple thing. Okay, so here's the first one. Uh, How many of you find it acceptable uh, to come into a movie after the previews have already started? So the preview of the movie's already started. You kind of walk in there with all your popcorn. How many find that appropriate, acceptable, right? Like I find acceptable. How many find it unacceptable, right? Okay, there's a few. Wow, proud, Yeah. Listen, I told this to the last service. We have this thing called the internet, and I don't know about you, but like I watch all these things on YouTube. Like I, I could see all the movie previews. I remember taking my kids to the movies for the very first time, and I don't even remember what movie we were watching, but they were like, I thought we came to watch Minions, Spider-Man, whatever it was. They're like, what is all of this? Like, why are we wasting my time here, right? Like there's 45 minutes of it. So I think it's acceptable to, to show up a little late to the previews. All right, here's the next one. How many of you find it acceptable to put pineapple on your pizza? Raise your hands. Oh, there's a lot. Oh, wow. Definitely. Oh, no, not definitely. How many unacceptable? Yeah, there's all the true believers, followers of Jesus out there. I think that's part of the curse, the fall of humanity, that we have put pineapple on pizza. Is the worst. Because then ham follows it. And I don't like ham either. We'll pray for you, Josh. I, I just don't, don't be like, that's, that's, that's unacceptable. Like I, I like, I got a bubbly the other day and it was pineapple. Loved it. Grilled pineapple. Love it. Eat pineapple straight out on pizza. Gross. Like give me cheese, pepperoni, a Supreme. That's what I like. All right. That's, that's my favorite. All right. Here's the last one. How many of you find it acceptable that when the light turns yellow, you just accelerate, right? That's right. How many find it unacceptable Unacceptable. Anybody? There's a few of you. The rest of you are liars, all right? You know it's acceptable. <laughs> it is acceptable. I had a, a, a daughter, she just started driving. This guy he looked at me and he was like, it's unacceptable. Like, don't ever speed up. You know, like we worry about our kids. I joined a Facebook group, oddly enough, uh, yesterday uh, called Idiot Drivers of Clarksville. Look it up. It's going to be a fun thing. I'm hoping to not find myself on there, but I'm looking out for all of you. I'm going to watch and see who ends up on there. Um, But I remember the one and only accident, knock on wood, that I've ever had was I was coming home in New Mexico. I was driving home and the light turned yellow and I had a safe distance. I knew I could make it and I made it through. But you better believe this guy came in and smacked right into me and I got out and I was like, why did you hit me? And he's like, yellow means stop, man. And I said, well, then what does red mean? Like red is stop. Yellow means, you know, assess the situation and what is going on there, you know? And I assessed it and I could make it, but thankfully he got the ticket for it, you know, so it all ends well. But What does acceptable mean? Because acceptable, when you look it up, it's defined as reasonable or something that can be allowed. And as you can tell, depending on who you ask, there are some things, there are some of us who find things acceptable, and there's others of us who find it unacceptable. And it's okay to disagree when it comes to to what is acceptable, when it comes to things like pineapple on our pizza, showing up late to the movies, going through yellow lights. But when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to spiritual matters, we have to align ourselves with what God would say is acceptable. 
And if you've been with us over the last several months now, we've been journeying through this book of James. We've been going verse by verse through this book. And James is writing this primarily to Jewish Christians who have been scattered. And it's a beautiful thing that God would inspire James to write this letter and that here we are in 2023 here in Clarksville, Tennessee as Awakened Church that we get to benefit from it today. And what James has been doing so far is he's writing to people who have put their faith in Jesus, but he has some concerns because they are professing faith in Jesus, but not possessing faith in Jesus. That they would say, oh, yeah, 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 I follow Jesus, I follow him, I'm a Christian. But their lives are not in alignment with that statement. And so what James has been doing so far in this letter is he's going after the many behaviors that we have and letting us know that as true followers of Jesus, we don't just say we believe, but there's action to our faith. We have a faith that works. And over the last several weeks now, James has been addressing things that God calls sin. And really, as we look all throughout this letter, uh, he is calling out many things that are sinful in our lives, things that have creeped into our lives that we find acceptable or that we kind of just brush by or we go, oh, that's okay, we've justified it in some way. And so really, that's, a, that's something in, that we find all throughout this letter. But more specifically, as we hone in on these specific verses here, James, over the last several weeks, is talking to people who would call themselves Christians but they find it acceptable. They find it okay. They've justified it in some way when it comes to their words or when it comes to their plans, that it's not that big of a deal how they speak or how they make plans, that God doesn't really care. And James is telling us that when we live like that, like our words, like our plans, we could go down the list of other things, don't matter to God, it is unacceptable, and God calls that sin. Here in James uh, chapter 4, verse 17, he's going to be very clear, and he's going to help us understand that when we know the right thing to do, but don't do it, it is a sin. In fact, the title of today's message is Omitting God's Voice. So, if you have a Bible, pick up verse 17 of chapter 4. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. For him, it is sin. This week, as I was studying, these, studying this one verse, there was a word that popped out to me, and it's probably a word that's popping out to you as we're listening to it and as we're reading it, and it's that word sin. Sin is, is a word that we see all over the New Testament and something we see all over the Bible, but it's a word that we don't really like to talk about in 2023, right? There are some churches out there that won't want to teach about sin or talk about sin. In fact, they won't call you sinners. They'll call you mistakers, We don't want to offend people. We don't want to hurt people. We don't want to make people upset. But the reality is it's a word that we cannot get away from when we read God's redemptive story in the Bible. From the Garden of Eden until today, we all struggle. We all deal with sin. Sin is what has separated us from God. So when you look at the world and you see all the things that concern you, you turn on the news and social media and you see all the problems and all the tragedies and everything we're facing. When you look in the mirror and you see all the the struggles, the temptations, the issues that you're dealing with. When you look at all the people around you and you see all the things that offend you and bother you, it all goes back to this one problem called sin. It all, it all, it's all the problems in our world and with our world. It's all about sin. And the Bible makes it clear that this is a problem that we all have, that's common to all of us. Now, if I were to go around this room and I were to ask every single one of you, how would you define sin? 
I think many of us, we would define it this way, as doing what is wrong. And you would be right in saying that. It is doing what is wrong. I mean, all throughout James, all throughout the Bible, we read about things that we shouldn't do, that are sinful, that are wrong. But that's only one aspect. That's only one side of sin. Sin can really be put into two boxes, the sin of commission and the sin of omission. When I was reading that this week, I was reminded of a Sunday school teacher who was teaching her kids about these sins. And she asked her class, hey, what is the sin of commission? And this girl was raising her hand. You know, she knew the answer. She seemed very confident. So she called on her and she's like, what is it? And she's like, well, it's the sin we commit when we do what is wrong. She's like, yeah, that's right. It's doing the wrong thing. And she said, does anybody know what the sin of omission is? And this boy's raising his hand, jumping up and down, saying, pick me, pick me. And so she calls on him and she's like, well, what is the sin of omission? And he goes, sins that we are supposed to commit, but we haven't gotten around to yet. <laughs> it's funny, but it's wrong. <laughs> it's not sins that we haven't gotten around to yet. That's not it at all. So let's define these words because it can be boiled down into these two categories. The sin of commission, it's a, it's a big word that just means doing what God has said not to do. For example, God in his word, he says, hey, don't lie. So what do we do? Don't lie. God says, don't cheat. What do we do? Don't cheat. Don't steal. We don't steal, right? There are things that God tells us not to do. And, and so for many of us, that's what we know as sin, doing what God has said not to do. Now, as Christians, though, sometimes uh, we, we boast of the things we no longer do. We'll say, well, since I gave my life to Jesus, I no longer deal with this. I don't struggle with this. I don't deal with that kind of sin. I don't do the things I used to do. I don't do drugs. I don't uh, get drunk anymore. You know, I don't uh, use profanity. You know, I, I cherish my wedding vows. I don't cheat on my spouse. You know, I, if you're single here today, I'm remaining sexually pure. Like, and all of those things are good things. Those should be marks in the life of a Christian. But sin is not doing the wrong things. It's also failing to do the right thing. See, you can be here and you can pride yourself on the things you no longer do, but the question is, are you doing the right things? Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. James is reminding us that there's also not just sins of commission, but sins of omission. Sins of omission are sins that, we, that disregard what God has said to do. I mean, think about going back a couple of chapters. James told us in the very beginning this, the sin of commission, of favoritism. That God commands us, hey, don't show favorites. Don't play favorites. And then later on, he tells us the sin of omission. That we, that we don't care for those in need. That we kind of forget about those people that are in need. The overlooked in our society. In fact, I think James even is pulling some of that from what Jesus said. Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, at the end of it, he's saying that people are cast into hell. Not because of what they did, but because of what they didn't do. They didn't feed the hungry. They didn't clothe the naked. They didn't care for those who were the overlooked in society. They failed to do what God commanded his people to do all along, to care for those in need. Now, that's a description of what can happen to someone who admits God's voice in their life. That's not a prescription. That doesn't mean, well, let me just clothe the naked, feed the hungry. Let me do all that stuff, and I'll make it to heaven. I'll be good. No, that's not it at all. There will still be people who will be cast in hell because they didn't have a relationship with God. But here's the thing. It's descriptive. When your life has been transformed, when you've received Jesus, there is something new inside of you. 
Yes, you don't want to do the things that God tells us not to do, but we also need to make sure that we don't omit the things that God is telling us to do. Because if we do that, that is also sin. And that's what James is driving at here today. He's talking about omission, that we need, that we should be doing what we know is right. And so in our time left, I want to ask and answer three questions I'm making sure we're not omitting God's voice. And, and here's my prayer for us today, is that God would shine a spotlight on whatever, whatever area of your life, and let me tell you, he's done in my life, where we're not walking in step with this verse. That he, in his grace and in his mercy, would say, hey, this is what I'm calling you to walk in. So here's our first question today. How do we know the right thing to do? How do we know the right thing to do? James starts off verse 17 by saying, whoever knows the right thing. Well, this verse starts off with an assumption. And the assumption is that we know the right thing to do. But you might be thinking, well, how do I know the right thing to do? Because it's important that we understand the right thing because we live in a very confused world. We live in a world that acts like there's no such thing as right and there's no such thing as wrong. We live in a world that says, well, what's right for you is right for you. James' verse here, he doesn't say, whoever feels like it's the right thing to do in that moment in time, and just, they kind of feel like that's the right thing. He doesn't say that. He says, there is a right way, and if you don't do the right thing, then you're walking in sin. And that's heavy. And I know that that can sound harsh, but here's what we need to understand as Christians. In a non-confrontational way, in a non-mean-spirited way, we need to stand in the midst of the relativism that we live in today and say, by the power of the gospel, I believe there is truth and it is not subjective. There's not your truth and my truth. There is the truth. This is the truth. Guess what? One day your truth and my truth, guess what? They won't match up. So then who's right? This is the truth. This is the foundation. This is what we need for our lives. Now, I'm not talking about our political leanings, our personal convictions. I'm talking about the truth from God's word. In a loving way, we are standing up for the truth of his word. So how do we know the right thing to do? Well, I have a couple ways that I think will be helpful for you. These aren't going to be big theological things that you're going to be like, mind blown, you know, but it might be new, but it might be review. And here's what my prayer has been, that as we talk about these things, it'll either push you in the right direction or encourage you to keep going in the direction as you seek to do the right thing. So how do we know it's the right thing? Well, the first one is that God will speak to us through his word as we spend time with him. God speaks to us through his word as we spend time with him. And, and by the way, as we've been saying, spending time with him doesn't mean for five minutes. Okay, God, I got five minutes. What can you do in five minutes? It's not that we're trying to microwave God's word into our life, right? It's not like, oh man, God, I need a word from the word. So what you got for me? It's that we're spending time alone with him. We might have to get up a little early. We might have to get up a little late or stay up a little bit later. We might have to say no to some good things. No to binge watching shows, whatever it is, so we could sit at the feet of Jesus and learn the right thing to do. Crying out to God saying, hey, would you teach me from your word? It's about a relationship with him. If you come to awaken for any length of time, what you're going to find out is we're not going to lead you into religious exercises. We're going to lead you into a relationship with Jesus because that's how he's designed us to live. And so daily, go before the Lord and say, God, I want to know what is right, so teach me what is right from your word. And through his word, we see how to live the life he wants us to live. 
Again, God gives us commands, not because he's a dictator, but because he's a loving father. He knows the best way to live life. And as we spend time in relationship with him, reading his word, he will speak to us. Guess what? Every single time I've sat down, I'm like, Lord, would you teach me from your word? He's always been faithful to speak something to my life. He's always taught me something right, something that I need to correct. As we spend time with relationship, he will speak with us. And here's the deal. If it's in God's word, you don't need to pray about it. If you're reading in God's word, you don't need to be like, ah, God, I'm reading about worship, but should I do it? Like, I I don't know if if that's what I should be doing. Like, Nate, you know, I've really been praying a lot. I've been reading about worship. I don't know if I should really be worshiping. No, you need to worship. God's word says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Come, let us gather together and worship. These are commands in scripture that we don't need to pray about. We don't need to pray about, ah, should I really have people in my life who are pushing me a little closer to Jesus? No, the Bible tells us iron sharpens iron. We need each other. Ah, should I be honoring in my marriage? I'm really praying about it. Yes, God's word says that we should honor each other. Should I go on? Yeah, Uh, good. Yes, I will. Be generous. Guess what? We are called to be generous. We are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to uh, flee sexual immorality. We're called to go out into the world, make disciples, preach the gospel to people. These are just some of the commands, and we don't need to go, God, do I need to pray about this? I don't know if that's for me. No, we are all called to do this. These are all commands for us to live out. Don't try to excuse it. Don't try to be like, well, my situation's a little bit different, or I'll leave that up to the pastor. If God's calling you to be generous, he's not going to be like, hey, be generous, but you're like, "Ah, except with those people over there. I'll go love your enemy. Well, but not that enemy over there. I'll go into all the world except that place. No, we're called to do this. This is something we are all called to do. These are all truths. We know what is right, so let's go do it. God will reveal to you through his word what is right. But here's the other one. You want to know the right thing to do? God will speak to us through his Holy Spirit. God will speak to us through his Holy Spirit. This is a powerful truth for Jesus' followers that we don't need to take for granted. Did you know that when you became a follower of Jesus, when God saved you, he placed the Holy Spirit inside of you? And that's an amazing truth. See, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not this weird mystical thing that gives you good vibes. It is a person. It is God. So what does this mean? You have God inside of you if you are a follower of Jesus. It means everywhere you go, you take God with you. I've heard people say, man, I just, as I'm living my life, man, I just wish I had Jesus right beside me. Oh, those disciples, they they had it so lucky they had Jesus right there next to them. Listen, God inside you is better than God beside you. Jesus, as he's ascending into heaven, he says, it's better that I leave because I'm going to leave you something better, the Holy Spirit. So here's how all this plays out. How do we know the right thing to do? James is telling us that. How do we know this? How does this work? As we're reading God's word, as God is showing us what is right, how to lead our families better, how to be better servants, how to be better leaders, how to be better fathers, how to be better mothers, how to be better spouses, how to be better children in our home, be better friends. As we're learning and we're seeing all these truths, and then we close up our Bible, and then we go out, drive to work, like it would be in my case, or maybe go to school. Guess what? You bring God with you. And I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments before, 
But maybe for you, you didn't make that yellow light, so you actually did have to stop, you know? Or maybe you're at school, and, and you're just kind of sitting there hanging out, and, and you, you feel this prompting inside of you where to act on something or to stand up and say something or go and talk to someone, whatever it might be. It's this prompting of the Holy Spirit. And he's like, hey, guess what? You know the right thing to do. Go and do it. We've all had those moments as followers of Jesus. Even this week, I was thinking about my own life and I was like, man, sometimes I've acted on those things. But there's other times where I haven't acted on that. I failed. As you read God's word, as the Holy Spirit is talking to you, and guess what? The Holy Spirit and God's word, they won't contradict each other. It's not like the, if you read something in God's word, the Holy Spirit's like, well, that was just kind of maybe situation. No, they speak. They're, co- they're, they're, they're together. They make sense. They're, they're not separated. They're not going to contradict one another. But as you're reading God's word, as you're listening to the Holy Spirit, that's how we know the right thing to do. But you might be sitting here and you might be thinking, okay, well, if we do those things, then why don't we uh, do what's right? And that's our second question. Why do we not do what we know is right? I mean, how many times in life do we go, well, I should do this or I should do that, but ah, I don't really feel like doing that. A little too tired over here. I know I should eat more vegetables, but Cool Ranch Dorito chips just taste so much better, Right. I know I should save more money, but I need those new shoes. I need that shirt. You know, it's summertime. I need to get that. I know I should work out more, but watching Netflix sounds so much better on my couch eating cheese pizza, you know, like whatever it is for you, we know the right things we do, but we don't do it. The same is true when it comes to spiritual matters. We do the same thing. We go, I know I should do those things, but this is a little bit easier is a little more comfortable. And so uh, there are a lot of reasons why we don't do them. I just wanted to point out three to us today. One is we think we have more time. In fact, look at what James said previously in verse 13. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. If you're here with us last week, we talked all about this. But the reality is there are some of us who are putting off the good and godly things that we are supposed to be doing. And we go, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll get around to it. It's not convenient for me right now. I'll do it later. Here's what James is reminding us. Our life is a mist. We have no idea what's going to come tomorrow. In fact, I was reminded of a quote this week as I was reading this. And it's a quote that I've said to people. You've probably said it. You've probably heard it before. It's that the days are long, but the years are short. The days are long, but the years are short. And all of us, we could go yes and amen to that. I mean, Jen and I raising three boys, there are plenty of times where we go, Lord, would you help us, you know? Especially in the summertime, Lord, something's going to happen if, if, if you don't intervene, you know? Like sometimes it could be really challenging, but then we'll blink and then they'll be all grown up. What is your life? It is a mist. We don't have all the time in the world. We can't say, well, you know what? I'll obey God later. 
Like, I'll, I know this is what God's calling me to do, but I'll get to that later. Listen, time goes by fast. And the next thing you know, the thing that God has called you to, you just continue to put it off and put it off and put it off. And then guess what happens? You never obeyed God. I've talked to people all the time who go, well, you know, I'll obey, you know, when I feel like adulting. Or I'll obey when I get to college or I'll obey when I get married and I kind of settle down with that, you know, like that's, that's when I'll start obeying. The problem is the carrot always moves more and more and more. There's always another thing, another experience, another season. There's always something that will stop you from obeying the things that God has called you to. We think we have more time, but we don't. And I thought about that this last week and I thought, man, the I want to's, will eventually turn into the I wish I would have. There's another reason why we don't do as right, because we don't see the immediate benefit of it. See, we're living in an on-demand generation. Technology, the way that it is, we have everything on on-demand. I had to explain to my kids the other day what TGIF was. Like, we had to wait all week to watch our favorite shows, you know, like I had to wait to a, for a Tuesday to watch these things, or I had to get up early to watch whatever it was that I wanted to watch. Like today, uh, my kids just turn on the TV like they're kings, like, oh, we're going to watch this, and we're going to skip this, and we're going to do that. Like that. But that's really cool. I like the technology the way that it is, that we can stream any TV show, any movie, whenever we want, skip whatever we want. I love the way that technology is, but we have to be careful because we want to make sure that that doesn't seep into the view of our relationship with God. Because the reality is, sometimes we can expect God to be just like Netflix. Like we can be like, well, God, I prayed about this yesterday, and you haven't done anything about it. And so we hear this whole obedience thing, and we go, that didn't really work for me. Because we think obedience equals instant outcome. But listen, it's never been about pace. It's always been about the process. See, obedience to God may not produce immediate fruit, but the process will change you. In fact, Psalm 37 says it this way, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Listen, there is nothing fast-paced, immediate about that verse, right? Like dwell. You think that's fast? (laughs) dwell in the land. Like there is nothing immediate about that. And sometimes we need to have a little more obedience that looks like Psalm 37, where you're not seeing the immediate outcome in your life. You're not like, God, I'm obeying you in this. Why haven't the doors just flung right open and your blessings have been poured out on me? God might be saying, hey, you need to trust me. Continue to do what I've called you to do. I'm working. See, obeying God doesn't make him our genie. Obeying God gives us a testimony that we really trust him. And here's the last reason why we don't do what's right is because we think we know better than God. We think we know better than God. Now, I've never met anybody who would come out and say that. None of us would come out and say, well, I know more than God. Nobody says that, but our actions speak louder than words. I mean, look at what James had to address this previously in verse 12. He says, there's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. Here's the idea. There's not a whole bunch of judges out there. There's just one judge. There's one God, and he has the final say. But how many times do we walk around thinking and acting like we know better than God, that we know better than God, that we know things that God doesn't know? And if God is leading you towards something and you know it, but by your actions, you're saying, no, I'm good. Here's what that's saying. 
Hey, God, I know you're the creator and the sustainer of everything. The fact that I'm breathing right now and talking to you is just a miracle. The fact that I even have movement in my body is because of your grace and your mercy. But when we say no thanks to what God wants us to do and we want to do our own thing, that is an arrogant posture. It's an arrogant posture that says, I know best how life works. God, I know that you think you know how life works best. I know that you're the creator and sustainer, but I'm good over here. I know this arena. I know how this works. I'm the better judge. And if that's how we think. We need to surrender to God. We need to say, I don't know what's best. I don't know the best way to live. And we surrender to him. So in light of all of this, this is our last question. How should we respond? How should we respond? Well, James tells us in verse 15, our, our response. If the Lord's will, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills, then we will. Here's the idea. Do you have a heart that is surrendered to him? Are you willing to die to whatever it is that you want and say, not my will, but yours be done? Are you willing to say, I don't know what's best. I'm going to surrender that to you because I know you know what's best and this is your will for me. So I die to self and live for you. It's a heart that's surrendered. I'll close with this. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story about the rich young ruler. How did he get that name? Because he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler, all right? And you can read it later. I would encourage you to do that. I'm just going to fly over the, the key points in the verse. But in Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells this story. And the rich young ruler comes up to him and he says, Good teacher, how do you get eternal life? And Jesus is like, Hey, you know the commandments. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. And he's like, yep, yep, yep. You know, the rich young ruler's like, yeah, I did all those things, God, when I was a kid. I stayed away from all those bad things. I'm not doing any of those sins of commission. But then Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he said to him, you lack one thing. Sell all you have and give it to the poor because your treasure is in heaven. Now the verse doesn't say, the rich young ruler was like, wow, thanks, Jesus, for answering that, that question right away. He doesn't say, wow, that's going to be really tough, Jesus. Like, I don't know that I could do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do as you say right now. I'm going to obey that right now. But what it says is that he stepped back, he turns around, and he walks away sad because he had great wealth. See, what God is doing in that is he's putting a spotlight in an area of that guy's life where he knows the good he should do. But he's like, nah, that's too much. Price is too high. That's going to hurt my comfort. That's uncomfortable. See, the rich young ruler, he was emitting God's voice. God was revealing to him, like I've asked God to reveal to us today, Areas of our life where we need to do the right thing. And I prayed that none of us would act like the rich young ruler. That none of us here today, hearing these things, feeling the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that none of us here today would step back, turn around, and walk away sad because it was too much. We wouldn't hear the, the voice of the Lord and go, well, I know the right thing to do, but God, I can't take that step of faith. God, I know you're calling me to that step of obedience, but I don't think I can do it. Listen, if we keep ignoring God's voice in our lives, 
we can get more comfortable with the sin of omission. And listen, we just keep getting softer and softer and softer until sin just settles in in our life and it's not a big deal anymore. And then that Matthew 25 verse, a little bit more scary. My prayer today is that we would do the right thing because we are people who are in God's word. We're people listening to the Holy Spirit. And when God says go, we go. The whole book of James is about putting faith in action. So the challenge for us today is what action steps do you need to take? What steps of faith do you need to make today? I mean, think about everything that James has been just saying in, verse, or in chapter 4 here. I mean, earlier he just mentioned that we are called to submit to God. Submit is a military term. It means to fall in line. We are called to fall in line, to submit everything to God. More specifically, as you look at the context of what James is saying, maybe today the things that you need to submit to God are the things that you're saying. Maybe you're like, I know that's the right thing to do, but I don't know that I can. I don't think I can take that step of obedience. Maybe it's in our plans. Like, man, I know I need to submit my plans to God. I know, God, you're telling me to do this, but I don't know that I can. Where is it in your life that you need to submit to God to make sure that you are doing the right thing? We need to do the right thing. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that we need to be people who have a faith that pleases God. To have a faith that pleases God means that we've got to do the right thing, big or small. And so here in a minute, what I'm going to do is is I'm going to close this in prayer. But as we've heard his word, I want us to just come before the Lord. And I just want us to say, God, would you shine a spotlight? And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would do that. And we would then, God would say, hey, this is what I want you to do. And we would go and we would do that. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.